0: The word amen just means to agree. So when you sing amen over and over and over, it it might seem redundant, but do you realize what you are proclaiming over your life? You're proclaiming the truth that he is for you. You're You're proclaiming the truth that his favor is already upon you because you do know that this song was written directly from Numbers 6. Every word that you sang over yourself is a literal scripture in Numbers chapter 6, but the ironic thing is they were living under the Old Covenant. God had just gave the Ten Commandments to the tribe of Israel. So this song, this song should blow the minds of the Israelites who are living under the law. But today, this is our truth. He was prophetically proclaiming a reality over a religious system. So today, we don't have to strive for favor. You don't have to be obedient for favor oh my goodness you don't have to act like a good Christian for favor because when you catch when you catch the reality that the favor is on you already in spite of your obedience and in spite of your behavior it produces obedience and proper behavior because you're not striving for something you're aligning with something so it's already a truth it's not a something in your future It's a something that already is. And so we can come to this building and find hope and find peace and find favor, not for the first time, but it's because we aligned ourselves with proper understanding that we're sons and daughters. Man, so you should feel that weight that you've been carrying all week just drop off. Not because it just ran away from your life, but because you recognize that the favor of God is already in your life so you know you can accomplish what you have and what God has for you. Because again, we're not striving, we're aligning. And so when we declare that his favor is on our children and their children, it's a reality. And so maybe, maybe in 2020, we can begin to live in a way that actually has power Because we're not striving for something, we're aligning with it. Maybe we can teach our kids that following Jesus isn't about following a bunch of rules. We're not striving to gain favor. We're not striving for something or a blessing because we recognize we already have it. We're already perfected in Christ. We're sons and daughters. So I just want to bless you with that this morning. What I have to share this morning isn't about striving Christian behavior, it's about aligning with who you already are, so that when you catch the revelation of who you already are, it begins to change how you act and live, so that people around you start wanting what you have, because you're not striving, you're aligning. So Father, I just pray peace over your children today. They're not here to get a new revelation. They're not here to earn favor, earn stripes, or whatever it is that religion has taught them their whole lives. Whether this is the first time in a church building or they've been in a church for decades, may they finally recognize that your love is right here. That your favor is right here. Your purpose is right here. That they're loved and valued, and not just loved and valued, they're liked. May they leave this place with the same peace that they align themselves with so that they can accomplish the things you have for them, so that they can walk through the storm that they may be walking through, not because you're just going to dismiss the storm already, but you're going to teach them something in the storm so that they can have internal peace and external chaos. I speak that blessing over your kids this morning, and it's in your name that we pray, amen. You guys may be seated. Man, thank you, Tim. I'm actually going to have you stay with me. Can you stay with me? But the rest of you guys, thank you so much for leading us in worship this morning. I, uh, I, I'm i not going to preach super long, and when I say that, I actually mean it, but this is the first time I've preached in a uh, That wasn't a shot at Pastor Shannick, although it kind of was. <laughs> the last couple of weeks, he said he was going to go 20 minutes, and he did not do that. I'm messing with you, but I'm going to only preach for less than 20 minutes, but I really wanna, you can play, play with it. Make make me sound good, Tim. Mm-hmm. You're good, there you go. Because I, I wanna stay in this moment of, of worship because sometimes it's when there's melody, sometimes you remember things better. It's, it's why you can not hear a song for 15 or 20 years and then you go to a wedding and all of a sudden you're, you're singing every word in the song. Why? Because melody can produce something in you that you instantly remember. And so this, this morning what I have for you I I want it to be played with a melody because I want you to align yourself, and I want you to remove this whole idea in Christian culture of striving, especially striving for something that you already have, a a reality. We've been in this series, Control-Alt-Delete, right? And Computer nerds, you Control-Alt-Delete your computer when you have too many browsers open. And... I can't speak for you, but 2020 exposed to me that I have way too many browsers open. And I needed the reset. And if you grew up in church culture or you've been around this place, especially if you're around like other churches or pay attention to other churches on YouTube or Facebook or whatever you do. I'm a church junkie, so I like paying attention to what other churches are doing. And it seemed like every church at the beginning of the year gave out like this 2020 vision, right? 2020, because it's like play on words. 2020, we're gonna have perfect vision. And then the pandemic happened, and it was like, well, maybe we didn't have 2020 vision because we didn't see this coming. And and we're a church that doesn't believe that that God sent this pandemic, but I do believe that God can use this pandemic for his glory. And and I think that 2020 vision was one of the greatest realities in, in my life because I recognized for the first time that I'm too busy, I'm striving too much, I have too much content, constantly in my mind so I can't focus on the things of God and I think I have better vision now because of a pandemic than I had ever before because I can finally align myself as a proper son in the kingdom of God and so I think one of the greatest revelations that we can understand especially around this idea of control alt deleting is restarting or re- rebooting our life, especially because of a pandemic, is to align ourselves and stop strive. And so, what I have for you today is I, I, I hope I hope this messes with your theology. Uh, if you grew up in church, I hope this destroys everything you've been taught about Christian disciplines. Because what I want to share with you today is, it is actually wrong to hunger and thirst for more of God. It's wrong. Because that comes from a spirit of striving. It doesn't come from a spirit of aligning. And so I'll show you these two scriptures, okay? So Jesus is on the scene. He preaches the greatest sermon ever recorded in Matthew chapter 5. And we probably know this. I think it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and he's giving up these blessing statements. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it's like, that's where we stop in the verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But there's a comma. And it says, for they'll be filled. Remember, Jesus is speaking to Jews under the law at this time. People who constantly strived for righteousness. People who believed that their obedience made them righteous. And he's exposing a beautiful revelation right here in this moment in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. And then he continues. But then he jumps forward in John, throw this up here, John chapter 6, I believe it is, verse 35, Jesus is stating one of his seven I am statements, and this one he says, I am the bread of life. Check this, whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, righteousness is a free gift of God to you, whether you believe it or not, you are righteous. That means the people that have never came into a church building and don't even believe in the gospel message, according to what Jesus did on the cross, he already made them righteous. They just don't know it yet. And so what we've done, especially in my church bringing, is I constantly heard from the pulpit, you need to hunger and thirst for more of Jesus. But Jesus himself said, I'm the bread of life. When you feast on me, there's no more hungering and there's no more thirsting. It doesn't mean that we don't grow in our relationship. It doesn't mean that we don't discipline ourselves. But there is no more more in the kingdom of God. It's already yours. And so one of the reasons why we can't reset in our lives is because we've been taught this idea that we have to come to church and we have to do all these spiritual disciplines to get more of God or to be right with God. But Jesus wants to let you know that you're already right. And it can't produce pride because you didn't do it. Jesus did it. And he wants you to know that you are his beloved sons and daughters. And so if you're sons and daughters, I'll prove to you why you can't hunger and thirst. Because hungering and thirsting are orphan terms. When you're an orphan, you hunger. When you're an orphan, you thirst. But when you're a son and daughter, the pantry is open at all times. Even if it's frustrating for us parents because we got young kids who eat us out of our grocery bill. My adopted son is never hungry or never thirsty again. Why? Because everything I own is already his. He has to align to it. That means that every promise in scripture is already yours. You just have to align to it. So there's no more striving in the kingdom of God. There's no more thirsting or hungering. There is being satisfied because you already sit at the king's table and he's delighted to be in your presence. That's why I think the church message needs to shift from God loves you to God likes you. Because we throw around this term love in American culture so flippantly. I say I love my wife, and I do, but I also love pizza. And I also love sports. And so what happens is is we throw this word love around, and I believe that even people that aren't in church can understand and say the things, oh, God loves me. But the reason for why they don't ever come to church is because they don't believe that God likes them. But God likes you. Like, he likes everything about you. You know how amazing confidence is? can come upon you when you recognize that the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, likes you? Do you know how it changes your daily walk with Jesus when you know you can go before him and not earn his like? He likes you. And he doesn't like who you are supposed to be. He likes you as you are, all jacked up in your pot of struggles and frustrations and shortcomings and failures and all the things that you think define you. Jesus is trying to get you to a place where you can align with how he views you and not with how your social media following views you or or not how your spouse views you because they know everything about you, right? And so if we can come to this place where we recognize that the reset happens when we stop striving and start aligning. It shifts everything. It changes everything. Because we're often taught to hunger and thirst for more knowledge and revelation, but you'll never be satisfied with the gospel message of love like Jesus when you're always striving for more revelation and more knowledge. Now, I'm not telling you that revelation and knowledge are bad things, but when you're striving for more revelation and more knowledge, the love like Jesus message becomes unsatisfactory. Is that the right word? dissatisfying because we've heard that too much and we know oh we're supposed to love our neighbor that's easy but give me something more of God and God's like that's it, that's all I got is love like Jesus because it's love like Jesus that will change the world, it's love like Jesus that shows whether or not you're a disciple and I've talked to many people who don't believe in Jesus and they oftentimes tell me things like man I can get involved with who your God is, but I often dislike the people that claim to follow him. That should be challenging for us. Because I think it's easier to sit in a table and talk about theology with people who know Jesus. I I love sitting in in a room and talking about theology, but talking about theology is so much easier than going and loving people who are hard to love. Or going next door and meeting your neighbor who you've lived next to for nine years, and you only know their you only know their name. I talk to people that that want to go overseas and do missions all the time, but they're not willing to go across the street and start a relationship. Not with the purpose and the idea of bringing them to church. Stop bringing people to church. <laughs> Did I just say stop bringing people to church? Because when you have this idea of I got to bring people to church, you've missed the gospel message that you're already aligned as the church. So bring people into your life. That's the church. And maybe when people get to experience you outside of the four buildings of this walls, or did I say that right? Outside of these four walls, buildings of these walls. Maybe when people begin to experience you outside of this place, they'll want to be in this place because they recognize when they come to this place, they're taught about realigning who they are so that they can go and accomplish and conquer the things in their life. Because you're not hungering or thirsting. You're not trying to become, you already are. And the only longing that is produced in the kingdom of God is how you can give what already belongs to you. You lack nothing. Do you believe that? It's a scripture verse, Psalm 23. You probably have it on a coffee mug. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So if you believe that you lack nothing, there is nothing to hunger and thirst for. It's already yours. So either the gospel message of Jesus is true, that you lack nothing, or you're living in a lie as you constantly try to strive for something that is already yours. Just a line. I'm beating a dead horse because I want you to get it. Just a line. So every week when you come into this place, Our job as pastors isn't just to teach you some great revelation about Jesus. It's to help remind you that you're already aligned. You're already a son. You're already a daughter. You're seated at the king's table, and he's delighted to be in your presence. The king of kings is delighted to be in your presence. That might seem blasphemous, but the creator created you because he thought the world needed you. The world needed an expression just like you. There is nobody in the world just like you you because Jesus thought the world would be empty without you. Think about that. And that doesn't produce pride. It produces confidence. It produces this wonder. It produces life. What this church is all about is connecting people to life. And who is life? Life is Jesus. So maybe we can sing songs like The Blessing and actually believe it. Because every blessing that you think you need is already yours in Jesus, you lack nothing. So hungering and thirsting isn't the gospel; it's not even good Christian behavior. It's anti-gospel because you refuse to believe that Christ is sufficient, because He is. Man, twenty twenty taught me a lot. In fact, let me give you some practical things real quick, and then I'll, and then we'll land the plane. The last two weeks, Pastor Shanek has given us three things to practically do, right? The first one was to every single day, take a 60-second pause. So here's what I want you to do. Get out your smartphones right now. This is okay. If you don't have a smartphone, get out something that you can set a reminder, okay? We're going to do this together. This is the first time where it's okay for you to be texting in church, okay? Set a reminder, okay? We're going to do this together. Hey, Siri. Set a reminder for every day at 2 o'clock to take a 60-second pause. I don't hear a lot of you doing that. Set a reminder. Now look, at 2 o'clock every single day, the whole church at Hill City is going to be taking a 60-second pause to do what? To strive? To hunger or thirst? No, to align yourself of who you already are. So now you have a 60-second pause in the middle of your day to align yourself of who you are, already are. Take a 60-second pause every single day. If you haven't been doing it the last two weeks, you're missing out. You sit, you take that pause, you align yourself. Okay, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm already seated at the king's table. I can conquer whatever I'm dealing with. I can go into this meeting and I can be loved to this person that I so desperately not want to love. Come on, you guys work with those people too? I can't say that out loud because most of them are in this room. was the second thing he asked you to do? Schedule your week. Schedule your week. Why is this important? Because if you don't schedule margin, you won't have any. And so what 2020 taught me was that I didn't have any margin. And so now what's happened, Here, let me be real honest. So for six, seven months, I've been scheduling margin in my life. And, and so then this is what happens. I don't do anything during that time. And then I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I'm not accomplishing something. I feel like I should be doing something. And all of a sudden, this time of margin has been real stressful for me. So I'm starting right now to get comfortable being uncomfortable with margin. Because for the first time in my life, I'm not so busy that I can actually hear the Spirit talk to me. Weird how that works. Schedule your day. Schedule your week. And here's what happens when you schedule your week. You remind yourself to stop striving and start aligning. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to, to begin a quiet time again. If I know in grace culture, churches, a lot of times they're like, no, I'm not going to do any religious stuff. Now, quiet times are good, but it's not to earn a position. It's from a position. So maybe you should spend the first five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes of your morning. And this is my challenge to you. Spend the first five to 15 minutes of your morning either listening to a worship song. Why? Because that helps align you. Or or maybe it is reading a devotional or reading a passage of Scripture. But what's the purpose of it? Not to just check something off your to-do list. It's to align yourself. You wake up in a bad mood? No, I'm going to align myself in the righteousness of Christ. Why? Because this helps your day. Trust me. Because when your kids come in at 7.02 every single morning and say, I want breakfast. Sometimes I need five minutes to align myself. Is that funny, Wendy? I heard a snort. Maybe it's a quiet time of just sitting still on your bed and rehearsing your identity. Maybe, maybe it's a quiet time of of you sending out an encouraging text to somebody you know who needs it. Maybe it's sending an encouraging text to yourself. I can do this today. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Align yourself. And the last one he said was show someone your schedule. Why is this important? Because I'm a person that believes if it's not written, it's not real. And guess what happens when you show someone the schedule, whether it's a spouse or friend? You also have a perfect opportunity to encourage them in who they already are, to help them align. I do this thing with my kids every single morning. I drop my kids off at school every morning because my wife is already up at an ungodly hour at work. And... When we get into the, the drop-off line, I, I, I go over this phrase. You can do this with my kids when you see them. I say, I say, who are you? And they'll say, I'm a rice. I'll say, and what are rices? And if it's Scarlet, she'll say, uh, rices are princesses. If it's Henry, you'll say, rices are kings. But I'm helping them recognize that they're royalty. So what do royalty, or what do kings and queens do? They'll say, show honor. So the first one is, who are you? You're a rice. That means my kids are rices regardless of the choices they make in their life, regardless of who they love, regardless of what they do. They're rices. That's permanent. That's never ha- That's never not going to be a thing. It's the same truth for you. You are already a child of God. Your behavior can't remove that. So I'm aligning who they are. They're rices. They're my kids, and I will always love them. And what are rices? Because I want them to know they're royalty. They're kings and queens, and kings and queens live and act differently. And what do they do? They show honor. Kings and queens aren't there just to rule to have you kiss their feet. No, they're the first ones. They're the first ones beating the needs of the people. At least they should be. And I want my kids to know that regardless of what people do or regardless of what people believe, that their job is to show honor because honor is a reflection of you, not a reflection of them. That is why God can honor you in spite of your sin. Not because he honors sin, but he honors you in spite of you because honor shows more about who he is than you. That is why you are perfectly and always a son or daughter. and This is why we worship an amazing God. So that when pandemics happen, the external chaos doesn't affect our internal peace. So that we can reboot our system every single day, reminding ourselves that we're already seated. We're already loved. We're already valued. We're liked. And this is the God that we live four he's never silent in your life in fact I, I listened to this preacher called Paul White he was in this church last year I'll close with this he said "He said if you think Jesus is being silent in your life I would just say that he's probably asleep, asleep in your boat and his silence is his way of telling you it's time to take a nap and rest in the father's goodness see in the old covenant the spirit would go and leave go and leave go and leave but in the new covenant in Jesus the spirit is always with you and he's always talking always talking. Sometimes we're too busy striving and not aligning to hear what the Father might want to speak over you this morning. Church, you're valued, you're loved, and you're liked. So let's go out of this place rejoicing in the truth of who we are. Because when life needs a reset, the only thing that needs to reset is how you think about you. And the Father is delighted we pray over you. Father, I just thank you for your truth. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you like us. That you value us. And because of that, may we value every human being that we come into contact. Whether that be a waiter or waitress in 30 minutes. Or whether that be our kids when they're acting crazy. Or whether that be our spouse when we don't really want to love our spouse right now. Maybe you came to church this morning and you didn't even deal with a spousal issue. May we show the honor that you show us so that every person can taste and see that the Lord is good. We love you. We value you. It's in your name we pray.